found in all living things, found as flows from us, uh, controls individuals, yet we have free will. We have a destiny if we want to follow it. We live for a reason and must discover what it is. For my ally is the Force, and the powerful ally it is, life creates it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the Force around you, here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. You know, I think these movies, to some extent, are always about, um, I don't know, to really boil it down, it's, you know, if you look back at, at Lucas kind of, you know, famously drawing from the hero's journey myth that Joseph Campbell wrote about. And the hero's journey is not about becoming a hero, it's not about becoming Hercules, it's about really adolescence, it's about the transition from childhood into adulthood and finding your place in the world. And you have these new powers that you're feeling inside yourself for the first time, you don't know what to do with them, you don't know who you're gonna get help from, who's gonna be unreliable, who's not navigating those very tricky waters that we all have to navigate, that's why it's so universal. So part of that is, is you know, your relationship to heroes and people you thought were your heroes, people you don't expect to become your heroes. is episode number 104 of Blast Points, and this is it. It's the big one. <laughs> I've been talking about this day every day for almost two years now. It's the droids commentary for the episode when C-3PO finds a toolbox. There's only one thing to talk about. Last Jedi. It, it's here. We've seen it's it. Here. We, yeah. We've each, at this point, we've each seen it four times, right? Yeah. 
I just got back from number four. It feels like I've been watching that movie for a week. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to love. It's packed to the brim with Star Wars. It's, um, it's Star Wars with a side order of Star Wars with an appetizer little, of Star Wars. Yeah. Little Star Wars sprinkled on top. It's physically, emotionally, mentally draining. I think I actually screwed, like messed my back up. <laughs> like my back hurts from watching The Last Jedi, so it takes its toll. You know, there's people that they, you know, they post videos of them like crying at the trailers and getting all emotional. But this is the first Star Wars movie that actually really made me like emotional, and it was viewing number three where it really hit me. Yeah, I think I had similar reaction. Like with Star Wars movies in general, it's like when you're watching a Star Wars movie. I don't even like really even register it till the third time. It's like the first two times are just like getting it through my system. And right. then the third time is like, okay, now I'm actually really watching the movie. But yeah, there's, I was amazed too, like how many parts are really emotional in that movie. Like you think the Luke stuff is going to be the part and it is, but there's a lot of other little bits in there. And especially since the movie starts from like, it starts out so goofy and then over time it just gets more and more heavy. It, and it's there's a lot of different opinions out there on this movie. There's you know I don't think in in my time I've seen quite a split reaction by a new Star Wars movie, and it's kind of like we don't have to wait the usual year and a half for everyone to suddenly have different opinions on this one. Like this one's really kind of challenging the fan base. I feel like, but part of it might be just this is the first time we're getting a really intentionally different Star Wars movie, even though it's really not that different. I don't know. But they told us, right? Luke told us to watch out. I found it to be very George Lucas in that way. It goes, And it made me think back to like when we talked about Twin Sons, that that episode was very George Lucas, where it gives you what you think you're going to get to a point, but then changes it. And, you know, I've heard people say that it feels very prequel-like in some ways. And I think the comparison with that is that, I mean, especially Phantom Menace, Lucas did not care what you thought of Star Wars or where you thought this story should go. It did its own thing. And to a certain extent, The Last Jedi does Star Wars in that way. Phantom Menace came out and didn't do what you thought you were going to get, but it also didn't look like what you thought Star Wars would look like. And with Last Jedi, it looks like what you think Star Wars should look like, but it doesn't do what you think Star Wars is going to do. And maybe that's what's harder for people is that there's they could it was easier to just not like Phantom Menace because it was all different. Where this like looks like Force Awakens, but it doesn't feel like Force Awakens. Yeah. (laughs) And I think when, you know, when Kylo is saying in the movie, you know, let old things die, the Jedi, the Sith, in some way he's talking about the the like our preconceptions about what a Star Wars movie is going to be like. Or the yeah. way these stories are going to be told. Because they, you know, you had Force Awakens, which gave a big hug to the original trilogy. And then you get you had Rogue One, which took a little bit of a further step out, but still was very much a big hug to the original trilogy. And now we're taking another further step away. Yeah, and I think what you're saying about how it seems it's very George Lucas-y, but it's almost like, it's like alternate universe George Lucas, where it's George Lucas and he has the same interests and inspirations but when he made his movie he picked different influences and inspirations so they're like they're similar but 
different. If that makes any sense. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's it's inspired by samurai movies, but different different samurai movies than the ones we saw that ins- that inspired uh, Lucas's movies. Yeah, it's close, but just different enough to be. It's different. <laughs> I don't know the other way. I mean, it's a very different movie, but still noticeably Star Wars, and still Force Awakens was kind of a mix of New Hope and Empire. This is kind of a mix of Empire and Return of the Jedi in a way, and a lot of Revenge of the Sith. All all the movies, really. I mean, it ends like Attack of the Clones in a way. The whole crate thing with walkers and you know doing the. Empire Strikes Back beginning at the end of the movie. Okay. Yeah. For a minute, I was like thinking about Anakin and Padme's wedding, and I was like, hmm. No, no. Just the, the crate stuff is, you know, it's like at first with the walkers, it's like, oh, it's just Empire Strikes Back again, but doing it at the end of the movie, I mean, that's Attack of the Clones did that already. And even the opening shot with the, uh, the pan down, like that feels the most like the start of Phantom Menace to me than any of the other movies. I was getting a real Revenge of the Sith vibe from that, but. Well, once you get into the battle, but that first shot of just panning down to a planet with kind of one ship in front of it, and that's Phantom Menace. I love The Last Jedi. I love it. It's a weird beast of a Star Wars movie, but I dig that. You know, I I really, I love that it takes chances. I love how weird it is. I love there are things that maybe don't make sense in it. And, And that really hit me, I think, at viewing three. Where when viewing three ended, I was just like, okay, that's it. I love that movie. I think Force Awakens took me a while to warm up to because I didn't know what to expect. And it was, you know, coming from the outrageousness of the prequels, it was pretty tame. But over time, that one's really grown on me. Like I said, after Rogue One, realizing how true to the feel of the original movies it was, I kind of went back and appreciated it even more. But with Last Jedi, yeah, my first, the first screening, like, I really liked it. Um, the second screening was like just absorbing. And then by the third one, yeah, it's like, I love this movie. <laughs> it's, it's got parts that are rough around the edges. It's got some goofiness. It's got some serious stuff. I mean, it feels it's a Star Wars movie and it's a very, it made me excited that we're, I thought I was going to not like a Star Wars movie that didn't feel like the original six. But I think this one made me, I think, realize how exciting it is to get kind of a completely new take on what a Star Wars movie can be while still I think staying true to some of the Star Wars hallmarks mm-hmm. callbacks to the earlier films and stuff. May the force be with you. Yeah. On December 15th. Yeah. That's got a kick. Come on. Star Wars The Last Jedi. This film is not yet rated. So what do you say we start going through it? Let's go through the whole dang movie. The best we can. We thought this was going to be easy, but even four times in, man, there's so much packed in this movie. Let's see. (laughs) We'll see if we maybe we make it lost, but we'll do the best we can. Right in that opening, like I was saying, the, the one thing where I was like, the music reminded me of Revenge of the Sith right away as we're zooming past all the Resistance ships leaving Dakar. I started laughing, I think, the first time because I was like, oh, no, they're actually going to do my my idea. They're going to pan all the way down to the surface and everyone's going to be waving. <laughs> Luckily, they smartened up and they, they had got everybody on the ships first. Um, hey, do you know, because 
I keep thinking every time I see it, do you think originally that actually was that shot was going to keep going and they just cut it for time or decided it wasn't worth it? Oh, like actually go down to the planet's surface? Yeah, because it's it's a little it feels like that's what they're going to do. And then they just cut to the surface. Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe they're like, that's it's wait, listen, you got so much ridiculous stuff in this movie. <laughs> it was not assault people like that in the first five minutes. Yeah, they look up at the sky. Star Destroyer's up there. We cut right to Hux. It's Ray and Kylo's movie, but it's also kind of Hux's movie. And Hux has turned into Attack of the Clones C-3PO. <laughs> a little bit mixed with the, the battle droid in Phantom Menace that likes to tell jokes, but I think I'm okay with it. Hux is a little little wound up in the first movie, so. His hair got tighter. His sideburns got bigger overnight. But, you know, I'm glad we got a lot of Hux. I was worried that Hux was just going to kind of... Not get his moment to shine, and uh, oh. that wasn't how I expected him to shine, but he definitely <laughs> was sh- shining in this movie. Because <laughs> Poe Dameron shows up in his X-Wing, his Fast and Furious X-Wing, and we immediately get into hijinks with the the held phone call and Poe <laughs> making a gag about Hux's mother. Yeah, for, I think it's the longest joke ever in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> It just keeps going and going and going. But people in the audience were going going crazy. They yeah. thought it was funny. So good I could, for them. I could imagine George Lucas <laughs> in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking it's kind of like, I guess they're trying to, you know, it's like Force Awakens started with, with Poe being goofy. This one starts with Poe being goofy. So they're trying, you know, oh, this is going to be like that Force Awakens movie, which doesn't last for long because we, we get the awesome action scene like straight out of a world war ii bomber movie mm-hmm. the resistance um, bombers show up and they're awesome and they immediately get blown up one by one they burst into flames i did you notice too like it took me a while to to, to catch like they don't even get shot it's just the one tie fighter crashes into one mm-hmm. and then yeah they just all go up it's kind of sad because they were so awesome they were then we get to see uh page tico Inside one, and she has the dramatic moment with the remote control flying down. She catches it, releases the payload, blows up the best one of the best new characters. Unfortunately, Captain Kennedy. Captain Kennedy. Oh, <laughs> why wasn't he in the Force Friday figure set? Where is the twelve-inch Black Series Hot Toys life-size Captain Kennedy? Captain Kennedy T-shirt at Target. He's like the one guy in the first order that really knows what's going on. <laughs> and he just gets blown up. He was having the biggest day of his life. He had a big cup of coffee that morning because he is pumped up about blowing up some resistance stuff. Just shouting. I think he had there were some of the coolest just uh, shots in the movie, too, of like just the way the camera flies through the bridge of that. Dreadnought. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get the the first of the tiny Hux holograms sprinkled through the movie, which is a great prequely touch. You got a first order dude looking at a, a like a submarine viewer thing inside the first order star, yeah. star destroyer. Oh, um, but we also I think we get the first taste of what the movie is going to bring. Where it actually was a was not a success. It was a a it looks like a success at first, but it was one of the first failures of the movie. Right. Poe kind of doesn't listen to Leia, and the majority of their ships and all their bombers get blown up. Poe needs to learn a lesson. We'll see if that happens. 
it's not going the way you think. <laughs> the big snow collagram head shows up, slaps Hux around a little bit. Four Hux. Yeah. <laughs> I kept waiting for the, the big uh, snow collagram head when he was rolling Hux across the floor. If Snoke would be like, gong, 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 like pretending to eat him. <laughs> or a big hologram hammer comes out and hits Hux <laughs> with it or something. <laughs> Um, so then after that, Poe lands his ship, and Finn wakes up. Uh, Finn, leaking bag, he's squirting water over the place. Finn immediately asks, where's Ray?" And we cut to what we've all been waiting for. What happens next with Ray and Luke? Two years of waiting. <laughs> okay. I think this is the part where the movie either loses people or sucks them in. Yes, I would agree. Uh, like, and which is good. It's a good that they don't like make you wait an hour. Like right off the bat, you're either going to love this or you're going to be you're mad, you're already mad. I had a person in my showing number two that when Luke tosses the saber aside, she yelled out, "Waited two years for that." One of the things I I think we, we don't take. We don't appreciate or we take for granted sometimes it's just how much fun it is to see new Star Wars in a theater full of crazy Star Wars fans and crazy regular people. There's been Star Wars movies for forever and the majority of the time you're watching it at home, you know, or watching it with at your friend's house or something. But just how much fun it is to just hear people freak out when there's a new Star Wars movie, good or bad. So go to the theater and see it as much as you can with other people because that's half the fun. So so Luke doesn't want to train Ray. Doesn't want to do it. Chewie comes busting in and Luke asks, "Where's Han?" Cut to Kylo Ren going up to see old Snoke going to Snoke's boudoir. The Snoking Lounge. <laughs> I love that. So this is the only part in the whole movie where Kylo Ren wears his mask, which I think that probably pissed people off, too. People that spent $1,000 building their accurate Kylo Ren costume. Yeah. Just to have Snoke tell him he looks stupid. <laughs> like, yeah. I like what Kylo Ren, though, when he's talking to Snoke in the beginning of that part, his mask is extra goofy. Did you know it's like the voice? Yeah, it's like he's really quiet. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> for the, dark the more I see the movie, the more I really I think is so great with the movie is how much this is really the Kylo Ren movie, too. Like everyone thought, I mean, it's definitely there's other people. There's a lot about Ray. There's a lot about everybody. But this really feels like this is the Kylo Ren movie mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And yeah, Kylo Ren is not quite what you thought he was. And Snoke is even more of a jerk than you thought he was. <laughs> even more beautiful. Than I thought he would be. Yeah, and beautiful. Um, we could see a little force lightning there. A little bounced, bounced force, like force lightning. Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting that. Put the spin on that force lightning. Mm -hmm. Take that mask off. He goes in the elevator and smashes it. I love it, though. I love it. The theme is pumping. It's beautiful. We cut back to a chew. Luke's still talking to Ray and Chewie. And Luke gives a great speech like, What did you think? I would just walk in there with the laser sword? Take on the whole First Order? Yeah. 
Remember that line. Let's <laughs> <laughs> put, put it aside in your head. Remember that line. That sounds ridiculous. That's not going to happen. <laughs> and you get a laser sword shout out. So Ryan's got some some deep cuts in there. I that was one thing coming out of the movie. Like I knew Ryan Johnson. I guess he liked Star Wars, but after seeing this movie, he really likes Star Wars. <laughs> He's or he keep- has like a really good Star Wars consultant. That helps him because he uh, he he's got a good feel for this stuff. I've never met him. Don't don't know anything about him. Gotta call it laser swords. You want it to be real? It's laser sword. Only Lucas calls them laser swords. Now everybody's gonna call it. <laughs> Maybe that's why Lucas will be mad about that. It's like you took my thing. <laughs> that's that was my, my thing. <laughs> I own the word laser sword. That's it's gonna die with me. Yeah, Ryan's calling them goongans now. <laughs> That's my thing. Watch out, Ryan Johnson. I'm on to you. We, we get a brief look at Luke's daily routine, which I can't close my eyes without seeing Luke's daily routine. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be able to not see Luke's daily routine. The movie could have stopped and just like all those memes of like there's two things in the movie and then it's like written directed by George Lucas pops up. It could have said written directed by Ryan Johnson and then that was the end of the movie. Yeah, I don't even know how to talk about that part. I'll let you talk about that part because it's that almost did me in. We we get up close and personal with the rubber chickens, which I was starting to doubt that the rubber chickens were going to make it into the final film. But it exceeded our lofty expectations of the rubber chickens where Luke milks it from its four nipples and has a very sloppy drink of green milk. Yeah, I, I can't wait for all the cosplayers who just are milk or Luke with green milk in their beard. That was another moment where I was like, okay, so this is how you're going to be. All right. We talked about the rubber chicken a lot. Mm-hmm. We saw... In our moments of weakness, in the spoilers leading up to the movie, some pictures from the children's book of that creature with Luke in front of it. And nowhere in my mind did I think that Luke would really, if we even got to see him walk next to the creature, I would be happy. I never in my wildest dreams imagined he would milk it. What if dreams came true? But dreams do come true, don't they? The fact that it turns its head and looks at Ray and then its friends spit salt out of their nose, tops it all off with a bow, <laughs> with a wet, salty bow. That big rubber chicken is somewhere. I think it's at Ryan Johnson's house. It should be. It better be sitting on his couch. Yeah. It's holding his AT-AT toy that the Star Wars show gave him. <laughs> it's all mine in now. In between the nipples is the uh, vintage AT-AT. It's a glimpse into my mind, everyone. <laughs> Luke pole that, fishing. That Yeah. Luke. Well, in first, just it's like Luke's just jumping on a pole to go across the island, and Ray's like, "What did she say? Be careful or something?" Like yeah. she's freaking out. What's what's Luke doing? He's spearfishing, force fishing. He knows right where the big fish is. There's a little porg squeaking at him. Be careful. And we get to see Luke walking, carrying a giant fish over his shoulders, <laughs> which should have been on my like bucket list, but I didn't even know that that was something you could wish for. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that he ate that whole fish too. He's got to. The force, you know, it's a powerful thing. Makes you hungry. Luke's daily routine. If that, I wish that was my daily routine. Someday when I retire, <laughs> green milk right from the teat and giant fish every day. 
Ray goes off and finds the books. Luke comes in, asks her some questions. We find out that Luke did come to the island to die. Yes. Whoa. Yes. Well, and even before that, right, she knows the trees there because she hears Will's Sith spirit voices. Uh-huh. She hears the voice something foresee speaking to her. How long till we can break that down? <laughs> <laughs> Not too long. We'll see. She was listening to the, the Star Wars Whispers podcast. <laughs> Go to the tree. There's books in the tree. Go ask this rubber chicken what he thinks about the tree. Cut to right after that. Poe gets demoted. Soon after that, Kylo Ren is in his, uh, the, the TIE silencer. Starts blowing everything up, but he can't kill Leia. Can't do it. Nope. Well, and we get, before that too, we get the super sweet Anakin Vader spinning That's a Great Trick shot, which is way more intense than it was in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Like the most intense spinning Skywalker shot ever. Ryan Johnson's goal to actually make you feel dizzy. My son really liked that part because he like grabbed my shoulder and he was like, it's just like Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> I've raised you well, my son. Yeah, you are my son. <laughs> um, and you get the great back and forth superimposed Kylo and Leia uh, heads. Right on Empire. Yeah, with the uh, the radial fade or whatever that is. Yeah, that part is great. So then the bridge of Leia's ship it gets blown up. Leia gets sucked out into space. And this is a scene that people have a lot of opinions on. Leia uses the Force, pushes herself back onto the bridge. I think this is one of John Williams' most beautiful moments in the movie. I'm glad that this happened. I've never been one that's just like, Leia has to use the Force and be a Jedi. I'm always kind of like, well, you know, that's not her thing. I like the way it was done here. And for some reason, my favorite part of that whole moment is when Leia flies through the hologram of Snoke's ship. I don't know why. I love that. If anything, too, it's like they're foreshadowing the end of the movie. Leia is the Raddus. Because she is the Raddus. Mm-hmm. So it's all there. I, I love it. I think it's great. Why not? It's the most outrageous thing in a movie full of outrageous things. I'm not one to poo-poo on outrageous. Yeah, why not? And, you know, we've had 30 years of Leia in movies. Let's let her have a little moment of some forcedness. And it's, she's never been that close to dying before, too. So, it you know, it makes sense. She's got it in her. I've read some people saying, like, oh, well, there's no like payoff from that moment where no one's like, hey, what the hell was that? But everyone knows that her brother is Luke Skywalker. Everyone knows that her father was Darth Vader. Born of the Force. Yeah. And, and also, there's not time to kind of be like, oh, hey, Leia, what was that about? Yeah. Well, and for all we know, she every once in a while, maybe she, you know, she lifts some fruit. <laughs> She's busy doing, you know, leader stuff. And yeah. she's hungry. She might use the force to bring a little peach up to her mouth and chew on it. So, mm-hmm. you know, she might have some practice just moving things around. And in space, you're weightless anyway. Yeah. It's like if you're going to use the force to move stuff, it's almost cheating to do it in space. Good for Leia. <laughs> the master Obi-Wan caught her doing that. He'd be very grumpy. Yeah. The real reason people are mad is because Admiral Akbar's dead. That's the real reason. <sighs> well, you know, we had we had a lot of time with Akbar. I know. It's tough to talk about right now. I'm 
kind of in denial that Akbar is gone. We have we always have our memories. Yeah. How do I say goodbye to what we have? You can see here the Death Star orbiting the forest moon of Endor. Although the weapon systems on this Death Star are not yet operational, the Death Star does have a strong defense mechanism. I thought we get to yeah. And if Rogue One taught us anything, there's, there's a lot of really awesome Mon Calamaris out there. There's pale Mon Calamaris. There's Radis. Well, this isn't the last of a Mon Cal. We'll see. Yeah, there's a lot of them out there. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. So shortly after that, we cut to Luke on the Millennium Falcon sneaking around, and R2-D2 turns on, and we have another great moment that pulls at the heartstrings. I know. That whole scene, I think, is perfect. That's one of my favorite parts of the movie. And I, it's, I think that's something, too, that you got to give Ryan Johnson credit for of not, I don't feel like there's any, he missed any opportunities to at least, like, get the characters who need to get together, together at least one more time. We got Luke and R2 together again in the Falcon. It's a release, it's a short scene, but it's sweet and hits all the right notes. And that's a perfect way to convince Luke to come back and help Ray. Yeah, I like the look on his face when the hologram of Leia says General Kenobi or Obi-Wan Kenobi. Or at, at that moment, Luke's like, ah, jeez. <laughs> I love uh, also Luke saying sacred island and watch your language that R2 was probably like this stupid island. <laughs> I've been asleep for 20 years. I wake up and I'm stuck here. <laughs> well, and I mean, then that was him. Going in the Falcon for the first time and getting the dice mm-hmm. even before he sees R2, right? That was mm-hmm. like it was already a pretty heavy scene. And then, oh, there's R2. Hitting the buttons. <laughs> they have the emotional restraining bolt on our chests and they're pushing the switch. <laughs> they blew it off. Back to the Resistance and enter Holdo. Where I'm a big fan of Poe's little speech with bootleg Asti, or right right after Holdo starts talk, it, yeah. it does her speech, and when Poe gets up to go talk to Holdo, when bootleg Asti, Poe, 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 I'm so happy bootleg Asti is there. Maybe he wanted to say something more to him. Maybe he was just starting his next sentence. Poe. Maybe he, maybe he gave a big speech that they got cut. <laughs> maybe he sang a song. Yeah. Poe, what do you know? Where did you go, Poe? I have something to show you, Poe. Holdo talks down Poe Dameron, which I love that little part. Like, she's known a lot of dangerous. Yeah, Laura Dern's great, that part. Yeah. Poe starts to learn his lesson of kind of chilling out a little bit. He should be learning his lesson, but I don't think he's learning it yet. <laughs> well, so, and that was, I mean, that was, uh, that whole scene too is another of the, uh, or a very Return of the Jedi. We have our Mon Mothma speaking to the troops mm-hmm. in the round, in the round room kind of thing going on, but it's a different kind of Mon Mothma 
cut to Finn trying to escape, and we are introduced to Rose. We're introduced to the Finn. <laughs> I love that, that whole part, too. <laughs> of Finn just smiling and trying to block the bags. Yeah, I'm glad they kept Finn goofy. He's a hero, but he his introduction in the bag of water was goofy. He's still being goofy there. He even gets the his mouth paralyzed. <laughs> he can't feel his teeth. And then they come up with a plan. They real you know the hyperspace tracking and all that. That they have them tied on a string, as Huck says. Mm-hmm. They give that plan to Poe. We have a little cameo from Maz. What do you think of that cameo from Maz? It was ridiculous. <laughs> At least they had Maz in there, and I'm glad to see Maz in some action. Did we talk about the Crate Star Tour stuff already? We did, but at the time, I didn't want to give anything away. In that, Maz had a jetpack, and I remember thinking, there's no way she's going to have a jetpack in the movie. But she did, mm-hmm. and she and she flew away on the jetpack in the end. So, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I like that. What did you think? Well, I was happy with it. I kind of wish Maz was actually there on the ship, you know, with them, but I'm not complaining. It's better than her not being there. She's out there somewhere in the in the galaxy waiting to meet up with her friends later on. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't really in the Resistance either, so it kind of maybe makes more sense than forget. I forgot about all that stuff with, with, uh, with Force Awakens where originally Maz went with them. Oh, yeah, and there was all the things we may never know about with her giving the lightsaber to Leia and all that. Mm-hmm. We never know that stuff. It's down with the Lord and Miller cut in yeah. the vaults. It might be in those Jedi books, though. I don't know. <laughs> One of those was the Lord of Miller cut VHS tape. A lot of right next to the Colin Trevorrow episode nine draft. And the Boba Fett movie. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if Colin Trevorrow, if he didn't get fired and he just quit, if he saw the finished version of The Last Jedi and he was just like, peace out, everyone. Yeah. Just burned his notebook. Kind of right after that, uh, we cut to Kylo and Ray's first mind chat. Yeah, this I did not expect. Even, I think, knowing a little bit what was going to happen before the movie came out, I didn't really think too much about that. I don't know. I thought it was really interesting. What did you think? Um, I was down with it. I was like, this is, this is, no one's ever done this in a Star Wars movie before. This is really interesting. Well, and it fits because, I mean, it's basically just elaborating on what happened in Empire where Vader's trying to talk to Luke a little bit. Like, people have talked in their minds through the Force. But now we're starting to get people being able to see each other through the Force. But I think the thing that's really great with, I think, the way the whole movie is kind of paced is it's all building up to the Luke finale. As much as I think people are freaking out, the people that don't like the way it handles Luke at the end, the movies builds up to that gradually the whole time, I think. Because in that first mind meld thing, when they're talking to each other, you realize that they can see each other so that you can see people through the force. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kylo makes a point of kind of realizing that it's not Ray doing it because she would, it says she would die if she did that, like implying that she's not strong enough to do that and maybe implying that no one's strong enough to do that. I thought that was great. And I didn't catch that the first time. Um, I don't know if you kind of, if you caught that eventually, like it seemed like right there, they're kind of building up to what's going to happen with Luke. Right. And then what is causing this? It asks that question. Like, why is this happening? And then Luke comes out. What's all that about? Because Ray shot a blaster at Kylo Ren. Went right through. The caretakers are mad. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah. We're introduced to the caretakers who, 
again, I think my favorite thing about Ryan Johnson so far now is that he doesn't disappoint with everything that was teased that was going to be in the movie. When it was in the movie was everything you hoped it would be and more. <laughs> because, you know, the rubber chicken and then, yeah, the caretakers were like everything I dreamed they would be and more just grumpy, goofy dinosaur nun bird people. Hey, I could, you know, and if people were like, why the caretakers? It's a little dash of Lucas in there. Some muppetiness. <laughs> a little bit of labyrinth. A little bit of willow, maybe. If you're making that uh, Star Wars stew, you got to sprinkle in a little dash of Lucas seasoning. Ryan Johnson's got a jar of Lucas that he sprinkles in. <laughs> Kick it up a notch. Let's simmer. And I am so looking forward to the Blu-rays because they've admitted that there's a lot of stuff that got cut. And according to the visual dictionary, it looked like there was a lot more caretaker business going on. What did they call the male ones? The visitors? Yeah. <laughs> there could have been a whole movie about caretakers that Ryan yeah. Johnson was just riffing on. Because I think there's a there was a picture in the caretaker, I mean, in the book with the caretakers of like a, the village at night, right? With a... A feast or something, maybe? Yeah, they were having, My like, a party. They were, like, yeah. a boat of the guy caretakers showed up. They had music going. There might have been a caretaker band, for all we know. Van Halen yeah. was playing at it, you know? Caretaker Lee Roth. Mm-hmm. Peter Weller was there for some reason, dressed as RoboCop. I know two dudes somewhere who are going to love this. <laughs> Paul Stanley was there with some radishes from his garden. It was crazy. <laughs> Making peach pie. Mm-hmm. Y'all gotta try this. <laughs> Fresh peaches. <laughs> I'm not prejudiced if you're a dinosaur nun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had to go. Kathy Kennedy was like, you gotta cut that out. Maybe episode nine. Maybe episode nine. Maybe it's Ryan Johnson's new trilogy. We'll find out real yeah. soon. The, so, the, the Star Wars Kiss trilogy. So shortly after that, we go to Ray's first lesson. Lesson number one. Mm-hmm. Luke's got a big piece of grass. He's messing with Ray. Which I think that, that gets the biggest laugh, at least all the times I've seen it. Yeah, the reach out the, part. The reach out and the tickle, the tickle feather. I love that when Ray starts to see the island and start to see feel the the force that is around her at the island how it you know it, it reminded me of the like Lucas's documentary short films that he made in college mhm just the kind of visual impressions of things with the quick cuts and things in different speeds and well I think I really like that scene too cuz it's a kind of it starts out super goofy and you're like, what is this goofiness? And then it goes real deep, real fast. But it like it's it's a great explanation of the force. It's a great explanation of just showing that Ray kind of is in tune at that level already with the force. The balance. Yeah. Um, yeah. And kind of reimagining what balance means, that balance isn't just light and dark, that some of balance is just the in-between of everything. And the force is the balance. And I, I, I love Luke saying for the Jedi to claim ownership over the light side of the Force is selfish. And if the Jedi were to die, that the light side of the Force would die. Just basically saying the Force would exist with or without light side users of the, like, that call right. themselves Jedi. I was really happy to see that they weren't afraid to kind of go there with. And we get it, we'll probably get into more of this as we get to lesson two as well as they give good reasons 
that the Jedi should end and that the force is it's the force isn't about the Jedi and the Sith. The force is the force and the Jedi and Sith are secondary to the to the force being the force. I laugh every time because we've already talked about old Luke looks like Kenny Rogers. We love Kenny Rogers roasters. Mm-hmm. Chicken. Best best chicken in the whole galaxy. <laughs> and Luke freaks out because Ray goes right for the dark. And all I can think about is she ate all the drumsticks in the thighs. And Luke was mad because <laughs> she ate all the good chicken. <laughs> you went straight for the dark meat. Yeah. So that was the first thing I thought about. <laughs> so. Ray's like, but I saved you the apple cobbler. So not too long after that, then Ray checks in on Chewie and the Falcon, and it's Porgapalooza in there. Porgs are causing all kinds of hijinks. Yeah, I love the Porgs. I don't, I don't understand how people, you know, if you don't like the Porgs, that's fine. But Chewie and the Porgs was good. The Porgs and the lightsaber were good. Oh, yeah. Porgs just hanging out in the background were good. Squeaking. Being weird. Then we have the second mind chat in the rain. Well, in the rain, I really like that part just for the fact, even before that, just it was cool that they left in as much as the movie is jam packed and doesn't really let anything linger, that we just got that little moment of Ray just looking exciting or excited to see rain. Just that little bit of her, like she's standing out in the rain because she's never really seen rain before and you can visually see she's excited to see it. Some of the rain gets on Kylo Ren's sweet glove. Yeah, through the force. Mm-hmm. By the end, it seems like maybe Ray's cracking a little bit and in, in opening up to Kylo a little bit. When he admits he's a monster, she's not sure what to think then. Shortly after that, then we follow Rose and Finn to Canto Bite. Oh, boy. <laughs> The transition of how it's the worst people in the universe, and we get the uh, the, the champagne toast with the guy on the flying boat. Oh, the flying boat and that guy. Yeah. yeah, it's like we've been dreaming of Star Wars boats. We've been talking about Star Wars boats. We got our Star Wars boat right there on the big screen. Oh, that and, guy. And yeah, and before you can finish being so excited about Star Wars boats, then you get the. The no parking on the beach guy. No parking on the beach guy. I told those two, you can't park that on the ditch of private beach. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, Canto Bite was wonderful. <laughs> the only, my, I wish there was more of it. Yeah. It was such a tease. I wanted to just look around more, but I guess that's, you know... That's all these places. That's the cantina. That's Jabba's palace. That's Maz's castle. But there's, yeah, there's so many ridiculous characters. I think, didn't the lima bean have the crazy, like, carnival sideshow voice? <laughs> Was that the guy talking during the, like, giving the rules of the, the games and stuff? I think so, yeah. The lima bean? Yeah. Lima bean was the, uh, um, we did get to see Hologram Head. The Hologram Head walked right in front of Finn. Yeah. 
thought she was going to get cut out like the headless guy in Rogue One, but no hologram head was there. The uh, BB-8 being uh, confused for a gambling machine. The little guy. Yeah, the little guy with his champagne glass. Amazing. Putting quarters into (laughs) BB-8. I was still just thinking about no parking guy the whole time. Does he own that beach? I think he's just, you know, a concerned citizen. You know, it's funny. It's another one of those things. We saw the picture of that guy and we thought either he's going to be cut or he's just going to be like in the background. But nope, he had he had lines. All our dreams just keep coming true with this movie. <laughs> I told no to can't park. Oh. They spend some time on Cantabite. Rose tells she wants to put her fist through the whole planet. We realize suspicions are true that these are the the super rich that are financing the, the first order, selling weapons. Mm-hmm. We get our first little tease of the kids and the four armed bubble face bad guy. Whose name I can't remember. Nasty McGee. Yeah. Finally, they run into Master Codebreaker. Oh. Oh, Master Codebreaker. (laughs) Moss wasn't exaggerating. She was talking about Master Codebreaker. I fell in love with Master Codebreaker, too. I was waiting. Who's Master Codebreaker going to be? Not now, lovey. I'm on a roll. (laughs) Lovey. Lovey. Oh. I was looking around the theater. I was like, is Ryan Johnson sitting behind me? <laughs> was he like, hey, Jason, I've been listening to Blast Points. I like I like what you guys do on that show. <laughs> we thought you might like Lovey. <laughs> I put Lovey in there for you. Thank you, sir. Yes, you are my master code breaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where's the Hot Toys master code breaker? Oh. Where's the SH figure, Fig Arts, Master yeah. Code Breaker from Japan? Yeah, I'm, I'm importing that. It's $80. I don't care. <laughs> oh, yeah. Master Code Breaker. Oh. What, co- what could have been if uh, Beach Guy didn't catch up with our heroes? <laughs> yep, there they are. Those are the ones. <laughs> And then we're back to uh, lightsaber practicing with Ray, and then we go into lesson number two. Luke kind of digging into the Jedi, basically kind of recapping what happened in the prequels, name drop Insidious, mm-hmm. which was cool. Mm-hmm. I think this scene was just cool too because it was kind of like finally saying it out loud in the movies that the Jedi were a failure in the prequels, which was heavily implied in the prequels, but never spoken now what do you think when when luke is like it was a jedi master who was responsible for the training and creation of darth vader is he talking about obi-wan kenobi is he talking about like the jedi in general he's kind of talking about qui-gon too i kind of got the feeling he's talking about all of them but i mean it's qui-gon's fault they found anakin it's obi-wan's fault he was trained it was Yoda's fault. It was all their fault. I mean, I almost wonder if Luke blames himself so much for Ben Solo's fall that now he also looks at Obi-Wan as, well, this is what happened to Obi-Wan, too, with Darth Vader. Yeah, that's a good point, that in his mind, yeah, maybe he's thinking about Obi-Wan most of all, because... They were failures just like I'm a failure. But it's it's crazy to think about that if he knows that stuff, then he probably... Got that story from Yoda and Obi-Wan. Yoda, yeah. I mean, Luke doesn't know the name Darth Sidious. 
that wouldn't even be in a book because there was no one around to write it down, which I guess that should have been our T our, uh, our hint right there of the uh, magic to come that we know uh, when Luke was uh, at his temple that he was in contact with uh, the Force ghosts yeah. to learn all that stuff. And in this scene, too, we also get our first of the flashbacks, which I, I couldn't help thinking, remember before Force Awakens and people spent entire weeks arguing, like, there can't be a flashback in a Star Wars. It was never done before, and it can't be done now. You know, and then this movie, and they kind of gave an excuse with, like, in Force Awakens with, with Ray touching the saber, and it was a force back, you know? But now it's just like, no, we're just going to do a flashback. Times are changing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm okay with it. I think that was one of the, it's probably one of the coolest parts of the movie, of just seeing that that pivotal scene you know three times three different ways three different perspectives Mm -hmm. as a change over the movie and just getting the hint of young old luke or old young luke whatever you want to call him with the green saber and the just for men dyed beard (laughs) and the more mark hamill haircut i kept looking at uh ben solo's good lightsaber too i was like whoa what's that look like i know i keep I can't tell you what it looks like. I kept trying to look at it, and I just it goes by so fast. But again, you know, this movie's taking risks. It's getting crazy. Shortly after that, we cut to Rose and Finn. They're in the prison, and we're introduced to DJ. I wish DJ was an alien. <laughs> I like DJ. I, I like Benicio del Toro, but man, if he was a, a goofy alien, I would have been in heaven. I love his uh, his stutter. Mm-hmm. He's a good character, but he's not an alien. Well, if I have any beef with the Last Jedi, and I don't know how, what may you know, some people may may make more of this argument and decide that they hate the whole movie because of this, but uh, I, not for me. But this whole mission to Canto Bight. And we'll get into more of this later. Doesn't result in anything except for kind of character development between Rose and Finn. I've seen people say that they you could cut this whole side story out of the movie and it wouldn't change anything. And in a way, they're right. I love the planet of Canto Bight. I like all the craziness. Um, and there is a point to it. I think when we get to that point, it's it's maybe the weakest link in the movie. But it's still St- fun stru- structurally, I guess you could say. But yeah, it's fun. In an ordinary Star Wars movie that wasn't four hours long, we probably probably wouldn't be (laughs) nitpicking it as much. But BB-8 shooting coins at awesome policemen that wear capes and hats that have their number lit up on their on the brim. Right after that, we go right into the space horse action, which is amazing. The space horses in general, their heads are incredible. Finally, we meet our long-awaited friend, the Space Horse. Possibly the best new John Williams theme is the Space Horse music, mm-hmm. which, trying to remember how it goes, it's like... That's exactly what it sounds like. to meet the kids the kids are great yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one very in particular kid is uh looks like he spends his time sleeping in a stable with a space horse hmm. and he looks just like kid anakin and even does a 
a yippee. <laughs> Yahoo! Um, I loved that, that it's kind of like, there's nothing wrong with kids in Star Wars. Here they are. Yeah. I wonder if we should remember that kid for later. Yeah, hmm. that too. Maybe he's special. <laughs> the great chase through Canto Bite. I don't know, through Dubrovnik. Yeah. It went by so fast, though, man, thinking back of how many hours of my life I spent thinking about Dubrovnik. <laughs> it's just gone in a flash. Um, all those cool cars they made that just got smashed immediately. Yeah. Um, and then the weird, like, Harry Potter chase through the alley with the Christmas lights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something about that just seemed like Harry Potter movie to me, but it was cool. Well, some of the music or Rose's theme sounded very Harry Potter-ish. Did you notice that? Yeah, that could be. That could be. So they finally avoid the police. And this could, one of my favorite moments in the movie, they, they say goodbye to our friend, the space horse, and then... A DJ's ship shows up with BB-8, and then we get that shot of all the space horses watching them fly away. Mm-hmm. And, and the space horses go on to live another exciting day as being free space horses. They get to be free. <laughs> I want an oil painting of all those space horses looking up at the stars, dreaming. So not too long after that, we get to our third mind chat, and this time with Shirtless Kylo. Another surprise. I wasn't expecting Shirtless Kylo. But again, that's some little Anakin action there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We never got Luke without a shirt. Get to see all Kylo's cool scars from Force Awakens. Yeah, the little poke in his shoulder and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, his face scar goes down to his other shoulder. Mm-hmm. And the, the belly Chewbacca blaster scar was all there. He's just hanging out. He's going to go take a bubble bath with black bubbles. The most evil bubble bath imaginable. <laughs> it's, it's a little bottle of Snoke's face, a little Snoke gold bottle with a Snoke head on it. <laughs> it. says, I'm watching you. Yeah. Take this bubble bath. Black bubbles, and they pop, into, and they turn red. Let the bubbles pop. <laughs> pop them themselves if you have to. <laughs> Wash it if you have to. <laughs> Wash your armpits if they stink. Let the stink die. So then Ray decides, that's it. I'm going to go check out that spooky seaweed hole on the island. I'm going to see what's up with that. Because Kylo drops a hint that he knows the story about her parents. So Ray's like, well, I'm going to go check out this hole. And is that the time Kylo gives his side of the flashback? He hints at it, right? I don't think we see it at that point. Do we point. not see it till the next one? Yeah. Okay. Did he, did he tell you about what really happened? He walked in on me and was picking my nose. It's a rough life. So Ray goes down there. It's a crazy mirror inside the cave. There's a bunch of rays, some finger snapping, some hand jive. I really, I thought that was a cool take on the dark side cave kind of thing. Because it was just kind of weird for the sake of being weird in a movie full of weird. Right. It was cool. Yeah, I don't know. I just really like that part. And I like, too, how it, as another new way of telling a Star Wars thing, you think you're watching it real time, but then you realize you're watching it as Ray's telling somebody about it. And at first, not knowing who she's telling it to. I was watching, I was sitting there in the theater thinking in my head, this is some straight up Mortis stuff. Yeah. This is some weird, 
George Lucas acid trip mortis stuff. Mm-hmm. Show me, show me, show me. My parents, my parents, my parents, my parents. And everyone thinking Seal Bibble's going to come out. Bibble, 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 bibble. <laughs> it's outrageous, 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 outrageous. <laughs> yeah. The reflection comes up and it's Ray and somebody somewhere in every showing of the movie. Oh. <laughs> See, no one did that in any of the ones I saw. People are rubbing their hands together, getting ready to see Obi-Wan Kenobi or something. Kit Fisto, walk out, smiling. Ariel Poof. Blowing minds. Yeah, it's like that silhouette looks like it has a really long neck. It's got to be Poof. (laughs) So then we go into our fourth mind chat where they're really connecting with this one. Kylo is there. Ray can see them. And when Luke comes in, Luke can see him, I think. Yes, straight up like a dad who just caught his daughter making out with the the neighbor kid that smoked cigarettes down the street. Yep. Touching fingers with the cigarette smoking kid. (laughs) Your fingers are going to smell like tobacco. (laughs) You think that's cool? Well, and then we get another Ryan Johnson, not disappointing moment. We had heard rumblings and rumors that Luke explodes a hut Mm -hmm. and we couldn't figure out that's not really going to happen. Luke's not going to explode a hut. Sure did. Luke exploded a hut, yeah, in his rage. Mm-hmm. Did we get a great stick fight after that? Mm-hmm. Well, and before the stick fight, remember, that's we get the Kylo Ren side of the flashback. Super angry where, Mark Hamill face. Where, from Kylo's point of view, Luke was going to kill him. And Ray, I think, believes him. Well, and, and from a certain point of view, it's true. And yeah, we get an old school, no laser sword, stick on stick fight. Which ended up on that one IMAX poster. And that's where <laughs> Luke gets his stick thing that comes with the uh, Disney figure that looks like it's this cool walking stick. But really, it's just this thing he grabbed because Ray was trying to beat him <laughs> with, her, <laughs> with her staff. And Ray pulls out the saber. It's not going to go the way you think. And Luke does an awesome force fall um, where he doesn't break his hip because he uses the force to slow down. But yeah, and then she gives him one more chance to take the saber. He turns her down, and so she gets in the Falcon and... Peace out. I'm going to go convert Kylo Ren to the good side. See you on the flippity-flop there, Luke. And then right after that, this is my favorite part of the whole movie. Like, no joke, this is my favorite part of the whole movie. Luke's going to burn down the tree. Out comes Yoda. We talked about this forever. Is Yoda going to be in the movie? No, they're not going to put Yoda in the movie. That would be too awesome. But they did. Ryan mm-hmm. Johnson did it. He did it. And the Phantom Menace puppet wasn't available, so he made a new puppet. That's kind of amazing. I've never had a problem with Digital Yoda. I've always been a fan of Digital Yoda. But it's kind of sad to say goodbye to the era of Digital Yoda. How do I say goodbye to... Ah. Hard to see the dark side is. Master Quackon. More to say of you. The good time that made us laugh. Yeah. But in this case, it makes a lot of sense to me to use Puppet Yoda. I think I saw someone say it's it's Luke seeing Yoda the way he remembered him, mm. which I think makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It's just cool to think about that Frank Oz and Mark Hamill got a chance to work together on set again, potentially. Mm-hmm. But man, depend. I think at first, Puppet Yoda is very puppety. But once they get into the nitty gritty, and he's kind of 
the close-ups of him talking with the fire behind him. I mean, he looks like Empire Yoda. They did a great job. I mean, recreating, as we saw in Phantom Menace, that Yoda puppet is not easy. No. <laughs> Yoda puppet is a mystery. It's mystery skill to make a good Yoda puppet, and they did a pretty good job. They, I don't know. Ethan, my son was like, Yoda looks kind of fat. <laughs> I love that he lifts a finger and it creates lightning in the sky that burns down the tree. And we get our first hint at things to come where the ghost Yoda is able to physically hit Luke in the face with a, with his stick. He's also able to laugh, to giggle and shake his legs, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. Oh, and it's his force ghostness is smaller. He's more like physically real. Which I started falling down a rabbit hole of deep thoughts then because I'm like, well, of course, because Qui-Gon taught this skill to Kenobi, who taught it to Yoda, or Qui-Gon taught it to Yoda. And now it's been, what, 30, 40 years since then? And Mm -hmm. what they are able to do with their spirit form now has progressed. Yeah. Well, and I think some of it, too, is they kind of imply the, the reason the island and that temple is so important is that island kind of amplifies the force because whenever the real heavy duty force stuff is going on, it's meditating on that rock up in the temple. So I feel like potentially some of it too is like maybe anywhere in the universe Yoda couldn't do that. But in these places where that kind of amplifies the force too, it makes it more plausible for them. Yeah. It's a great scene. Well, and it's Yoda basically explaining the movie if you're not paying attention, it's like failure is the an important teacher, maybe the best teacher. This movie is all about failure because everyone in the movie f- kind of fails at what they're doing, except for maybe Luke, who failed before the movie. And he's the first one to learn the lesson here from Yoda. And everybody else is still has time. He still has to learn that lesson of failure. I mean, yeah. And that even applies to Finn and Rose's mission. Yeah, well, and that's where, like I was saying earlier, I think it, as much of a detour that was, is it kind of it fits the theme of the movie that all that work they go to in the end does nothing. It's a failure. The probably the most important thing for Finn and Rose's characters is that they found each other. The mission was a failure, but they learned from it, and I mean something good came of that failure, which is probably another lesson of the movie. Is you know. Just because it's a failure doesn't mean something good can't come out of it. It's just not what you expected. And, and like what Yoda is talking about too. It's like it's it's the whole movie. It's it's teachers and students. It's all George Lucas stuff. It's parents and children. It's and it's about letting go, which is something he's been riffing on since Phantom Menace, especially. And even you know even in Return of the Jedi of letting go of the past, Luke, in honor to to redeem his father, has to let go of the past. Right. An- Anakin was never able to let go of the past, which is kind of interesting to hear Kylo kind of saying the same thing, just in a a more violent way. <laughs> but he's kind of even kind of getting the gist of that. Let the past die. He just wants to kill it instead of just letting it die peacefully. And then we cut to DJ on the ship, and we learn good guys, bad guys, 
all the same. Just words. <laughs> made up words. Yeah, made up words. DJ looking at the hologram board. We learned that um, all those people on Cantabite, they're selling not only to the First Order, but to the Resistance. It's all intertwined. Shortly after that, Poe gets mad at Holdo. They learn they're powering up the escape pods. Poe throws some stuff around. And then we get to what could be Ray's third lessons, because Luke said it, there was going to be three lessons, but we never got to the third one. But Ray takes a little escape pod out of the Millennium Falcon and shows up on Snoke's Star Destroyer. And things start getting real. It's return to Return of the Jedi. <laughs> So much so that was, my son was like, this is just like Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why it's so awesome. That whole uh, elevator ride is straight up Return of the Jedi. Right up to the Snoke scene. But it's, you know, like the rest of the movie, you're like, I know this. This is Return of the Jedi. I know what's going to happen. Kind of happens what you think will happen, but not how you think it will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, George Lucas style. Mm-hmm. And we kind of realize we don't get much history of Snoke other than he is pretty strong at the force. And, you um, know, in a way, I mean, that's making people mad right now as we, as we talk about this, but in a way that's very George Lucas. Don't care. I'm not going to tell you anything. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe Dave Filoni will explain it in a cartoon one day or something. There's, there's enough there that, I mean, he's very old and he's very strong at the force, which We've seen other Jedis and Force users that as they get older, they get stronger. For whatever reason, he likes being rich. So maybe the whole Palpatine time in the galaxy, he was just like, I'm just going to sit back and be rich and not worry about this. Mm -hmm. But we get another foreshadowing of the Luke thing that, okay, Snoke is so powerful. All that connection Rey and Kylo had was because of Snoke playing their possibly real emotions against each other. Basically setting the precedent that, you know, in the Star Wars universe, you can use the force to make people see each other through the force, which might happen later in the movie. We get Snoke lifting Ray around with <laughs> this is, a, I think, another awesome thing of showing how powerful Snoke is. And it makes me laugh because before we. Earlier in the week when I was talking to my son about just Star Wars stuff in general, he was asking me if Jedis always have to use their hand when they move stuff with the Force. And I thought it was pretty cool that to show how powerful he is, Snoke doesn't have to use his hand. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just does it full on, like, with his mind, which is subtle, but it's cool because really even, like, I think everyone always uses their hand, right? Mm-hmm. To lift rocks and throw things and whatever. You know, Leia had to stick her hand out to fly, but Snoke all in his mind because he's so strong making lightsabers hit ray in the back of the head mm. meanwhile finn and rose get caught the captain phasma shows up and then we cut back and forth to that and ray and kylo where you think maybe kylo is going to kill ray but then surprise surprise lando in disguise kylo chops snoke in half yeah i don't know i thought that was done really well I love the fact that it's Darth Plagueis getting killed in his sleep kind of thing where he's so powerful. He can read everyone's thoughts. No one can betray him. He's reading Kylo's thoughts right then, but he doesn't catch that Kylo's thinking about the other lightsaber and him, not Rey. I don't know. I thought it was perfect. And then just the ending shot of Kylo pulling the saber to Rey's hand is just 
one of the coolest little bits in all the Star Wars movies. Straight up classic. Millions of people that have spent years wondering about Snoke. <laughs> Suddenly, millions of voices cried out in panic. Yeah. A lot of biggie-sized drinks were thrown at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Popcorn buckets tossed in the air. Snoke doesn't matter. He's gone. Doesn't matter. It he's, doesn't matter. He's snoking out of here. How do I say goodbye to what we had? And the resistance must be destroyed before they get to Skywalker. Good. Then we will crush them once and for all. Prepare the weapon. So So then after that, there's the big team-up battle with the Praetorian Guards in action. Super cool. Yes. Super, super, super cool. Super awesome. Giving the people what they want for about five minutes. Giving the people what they didn't realize they wanted and not giving them what they wanted, which I think is great that Kylo and Rey didn't get a rematch this movie, which is what everyone was expecting. That's nine, you know. You think they're going to fight and they don't. They team up, which is, I don't know, it was amazing. And we forgot the weird Snoke machine was just a giant magnifying glass for <laughs> for old Snoke to look at tiny things with. Well, and also, where do the shadow people go? Because when Ray comes in there, the shadow people are there. You know where they go? They knew it was going to get nasty and they got out of there. <laughs> they saw through the magnifying glass that things are going to go well. They got out of there. They just jumped off the side. <laughs> I'm out. So they take out all those Praetorian guards. Uh, Kylo Ren goes full Anakin. We'll make things the way we want them to be. Join me. Tells Ray the truth about her parents. There were nobodies. Dead on, she, dead on Jakku and Popper's grave. She says it first. People can still have their hopes that it was a lie by Snoke, but... I think there probably were nobodies. So, so, sold you for drinking money. I believe Kylo Ren, you know, but that's, you know, it's great. We'll spend the next two years. Was he lying? Is, is, are their parents Bibble? Snoke was the one setting up their whole connection thing. So who's to say what they saw? Because they both saw the future in that connection. Mm-hmm. And we don't know if they legitimately saw the future through the Force or they saw what Snoke wanted them to see. Ray saw Kylo's eventual turn to the light. Mm-hmm. Kylo saw them together. Kylo saw her turn to the dark. We still don't know. And we got an awesome Revenge of the Sith flashback to a Force tug of war mm. with, with the saber. So many shots of just that saber filling the whole screen. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it breaks. Holy smokes, they both go flying backwards. Meanwhile, the resistance ships are all getting picked off one by one. Holdo is like, hold up. And she goes full Radis on Snoke's ship. And we get a beautiful seismic charge moment. The the moment that they had to put warnings so people didn't think the theater was broken. Because there's a few <laughs> seconds of silence. Um, the, when I saw it today, they actually had that warning taped up on the, uh, where you handed, where you gave them your ticket. <laughs> So I guess they didn't want people complaining that the movie was silent for five seconds. I feel like every time I saw it, when it goes silent, there was always one person going, whoa. Yeah, yeah. That was just so you could hear the people in the audience freak out. Oh, wow. Oh. 
<laughs> sitting next to Keanu Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Diabolical. Whoa. <laughs> Not really. Finn versus Phasma. I'm a big fan of uh, Captain Phasma's gun sound, too. It was nice to get to see her fire both of her guns. Torn with the Phasma thing that I get kind of, if you hadn't seen her in the trailer, like the big reveal of, oh, man, Phasma's back was kind of cool, like that she showed up to because Finn was there. But I did miss just how cool it was just to see Phasma hanging out in the bridge. In Force Awakens. Yeah. And it would have been kind of cool just to see her hanging out with Hux earlier in the movie. Just as we're getting to know Phasma again, she's gone. Yeah. We see her eye through the mask and then goodbye, Phasma. We barely knew you. How do I say goodbye? We didn't see the body. She could still be alive. It's true. Or horribly burned. Maybe she'll be a cyborg in the next one. (laughs) Dave Filoni's taking notes somewhere. Yeah. Captain Fazvus. So then pretty much where we head to Crate, where things start to wrap up. Finn and Rose show up. They're sending out the message to the Outer Rim. The First Order shows up with the big Death Star gun. Which, did you catch, like, the Death Star gun kind of looks like a lightsaber. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and they did a little bit of the, the Qui-Gon wall thing where as it was charging up, it was starting to melt through the door. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Did you, like, imagine, like, Qui-Gon ghost showing up and crying? <laughs> or a giant ghost Qui-Gon hand holding the, holding the giant lightsaber gun? Ski speeders come out. The ski speeders are awesome. Yeah. Crate. A, a white dusted planet with red crystals underneath that kind of spits up red clouds of bloody smoke dirt <laughs> was really cool i love and that whole battle on crate i don't know i just love it because it was a bunch of people in cockpits ships are so janky that the cockpits can't even close and the Millennium falcon shows up ray is in the gun turret how did ray get back on the Millennium falcon kylo when he woke up said ray stole snoke's personal escape craft so she probably took that and called chewy they met up in space or they met up on crate. She got in the Falcon. I wonder if there was like a deleted scene or something where Ray had Chewie's like, we're going to meet here after I yeah. do what I got to do. Wait for me here. It could be because didn't she did she leave the bracelet with Chewie? Ah, did she? Uh, I can't remember now yeah. if she had it with her on on Snoke's ship or not. But yeah, however, she gets back. She gets back with Chewie. We get to finally see Chewie fly the Falcon in an action scene, right? Mm-hmm, by himself. With some porgs. TIE fighter attack music going. It's incredibly awesome. The whole the whole theater was headbanging. TIE <laughs> <laughs> <Some> attack. <laughs> there were dudes in the front row with their arms around each other, banging heads in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> a mosh pit starts in front of yeah, the screen yeah people in front of the exit door doing heads swirling their hair <laughs> it's the best part of the whole movie <laughs> oh, Rose saves Finn you think all is lost Galen Erso's big lightsaber cannon blew through the door and out comes Luke Skywalker. Oh. And you, if, if you know, you know something's up because he's got his Just for Men beard. 
And he's got his Mark Hamill haircut. You kind of at first maybe think, oh, he just had the caretakers give him a dye job and a haircut. <laughs> like, I got to go see my sister. And, you know, he got the his old Jedi outfit out from the box under his bed. Mm-hmm. Again, the, the perfect not missed opportunities. I mean, we get to see Luke and Leia have a moment together one last time, mm-hmm. which is great. We get to see him and 3PO have their little moment. Master Skywalker. Luke gives him a wink. Yeah, that that gets me every time. That was another moment where I found myself getting emotional. Yeah. It was touching it was touching the the sweet spot. He gives Leia the dice, which is a great way to handle the whole Han thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I think the thing with the movie that's so great too is like when Luke shows up, you're already like physically exhausted from the rest of the movie. <laughs> and mentally. And and mentally, yeah. Like you're just like you feel like the resistance, like you're just like beat by this movie. <laughs> and then Luke shows up. You know, the spark, the ray of light. And you're like, what? Luke's here. And then it just does it all over again. (laughs) Out walks Luke Skywalker. Kylo Ren says, fire every gun on that guy. What did Luke say at the beginning of the movie? What am I going to do? Walk out with my laser sword in front of the entirety of the First Order? Yeah. And there he does it. And there he does it. It's the moment we have dreamed of for the last 30 years. Well, I think a fun thing, too, is, I mean, we will, I guess, talk about the end of the movie when we get there. But this is almost like a, this is what you would do with your Luke Skywalker toy. Like, you're not going to do the movie. You're going to have Luke fight all the all the toys you have you know it's like he's luke skywalker he's going to take on my the star destroyers himself so here in real life luke is taking on everything kylo gets out of his ship Goes to take on Luke Skywalker himself, and they have their very Revenge of the Sith-esque, but also very Samurai-esque battle. Yeah, very Twin Suns. <laughs> Watching that part, I just imagine Ryan Johnson and Dave Filoni like, eating lunch every day for a week, <laughs> just <laughs> talking about this stuff. Because, yeah, it was cool, as much as we like Twin Suns, to kind of see Twin Suns come to life in Episode Eight with Luke and Kylo. In, in an even more intense version of I just love Luke just watching Kylo's footwork. Luke gets to say, I have failed you, echoing Revenge of the Sith. Kylo makes a big speech to Luke and how he's going to destroy Rey and he'll destroy him. And Luke gets to say everything you just said was wrong and that he is not the last Jedi cut to Rey taking the rocks out and letting the resistance out of the caves. It's such a cheesy joke, but it's so earned, I think, that I just love that part when she's like lifting rocks basically is her her hero moment to do the the cliche Jedi training thing, basically. When Luke said, like, it's not didn't he say earlier in the movie being a Jedi is not about lifting rocks? Yeah, the force isn't about lifting rocks. But she's a clean. I, I love that she's a clean start on a light side of the force force user. And it's cool that and people are going to complain because, oh, she didn't have any training. Uh, It's kind of like Luke did pass on what he learned in the way of 
Luke was such a good Jedi because he kind of found his own way in the force. He had very little training and he found his own way and he gave that same training to Ray. You know, he, mm-hmm. she got, she got like three days of some kind of rough concepts and then she was kind of on her own to figure out what to do. That seems to work better than the, the, the regimented dogma of the Jedi order. Well, and it's, you know, it was like Yoda's final lesson to Luke even though Yoda said that Luke should not go, Luke confronting Vader was more of a lesson to Luke than what he learned on Dagobah. Maybe. I don't know. When Luke left Yoda to go fight Vader, he failed. And ultimately, he learned from that failure, and that was a much more powerful lesson than Yoda could have taught him on Dagobah. It's true. Kenobi failed with Anakin, and then Kenobi went in isolation, and that was his lesson. So finally, Kylo... Puts his saber through Luke. Luke does not die. Puts his saber right into his chest. And we realize that Luke has been projecting himself the whole time from the island. And floating and meditating. Making all of our dreams come true. That shot when they cut to him floating is the the most, I don't know. I can't even talk about it. Like it's so, like every emotion you can think of from a Star Wars movie <laughs> is all at the same time. Every time I've seen it, people flip out at that part. When it hits them that it's, you know, Luke's been doing this through the force and not only is he doing it through the force, he's like sitting legs crossed, floating above a rock. Bravo. (laughs) 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 Bravo, Ryan Johnson. And what's crazy is that is very similar to something that was in the rough draft of Return of the Jedi, right? Where Ante and Screenplay's book, it says, in the rough draft of the film, Vader can't bring himself to destroy Luke. The Emperor raises his hands, causing lightning bolts to strike Luke. Luke raises his hands in defense, and the bolts are deflected back by an invisible shield. Whenever a bolt hit, the images of Ben and Yoda appear momentarily at the point of impact. Then in another draft, the Emperor raises his hands, causing lightning to strike Ben. Luke jumps in front and raises his hands, and the bolts are deflected. Whenever a bolt hit, an images of Yoda appears. little inspiration from the rough Jedi scripts with, yeah, the Force Ghosts fighting. Yeah, coming out at the big moment. The thing that I think is so wonderful about that, too, is, like, we talked about how are they going to handle Luke is without ruining Return of the Jedi. Like, I feel like after watching this movie that Ryan Johnson really gets Return of the Jedi— they were able to make Luke basically still not fight, but fight. Like he got to show up and seem like have his big badass action scene, but he didn't kind of give up on his nonviolence at the end of Jedi. Him deciding not to fight anymore kind of, I think, was reaffirmed with his mistake with Kylo, too, that he let his anger turn his saber on and he was going to lash out with violence. And just that little bit uh, of lapse kind of snowballed this whole thing with Kylo. Like, I can't imagine a better way to handle Luke, I think, is really what it gets boils down to. Then Luke, exhausted from all this work, looks up at the sunset there on Achu one more time and disappears into Force Ghost Realm and his cloak blows away. 
I don't think we ever, when we talked about The Last Jedi, we didn't ever expect Luke to die, if you can call it dying. But it was handled so right, in my opinion. It fits it's, fits the movie. It's somewhat ambiguous that, yes, he left the physical world, but unlike Yoda and Obi-Wan, he kind of did it willingly. It's almost like more of a passing on to the next level of existence more so than just his body dying it just it looks so cool i want a poster of that last shot before he disappears of him just meditating in front of the two sons Mm -hmm. i I totally felt like luke when the movie was on because that movie is so long i had to go to the bathroom so bad (laughs) after the movie was over and i went to the bathroom when i was done peeing i felt like my body disappeared and my coat just (laughs) fell to the floor it's like I could totally relate to Luke, how he must have felt. Uh, and Uh-oh. just like Luke, we I went home that night with peace and purpose. And disappeared beneath the covers. <laughs> I don't think it's the last we're going to see of Luke Skywalker. No. Um, and it's yeah. If anything, the, I mean, Yoda is the the hint of the future. Yoda's still around, and Luke we see was far beyond what Yoda ever became. The movie is long, <laughs> but it's like it pays off at the end. Like it, I don't know, it's just it's a lot to take in. But uh, I can't say enough good things about the movie. Kylo and crew come in. Kylo finds the dice. It disappears. Are they going to have one more mind chat, Kylo and Ray? Nope. Nope. Ray closes the door. Done talking to you. We're out of here. <laughs> they fly away on the Falcon, and there's a lot of great moments in this. Where it starts out right away with C-3PO saying to R2-D2, such a good friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ray fixes BB-8's antenna again. Poe and Ray finally meet. We realize that the books are safe. Ooh. Finn puts a blanket on Rose. And then Leia and Ray have a little chat. And uh, Luke. Yeah, they, they have everything they need. Ray still has the broken lightsaber. You can see that big, awesome blue kyber crystal in there. Mm-hmm. Finn and Nine Numb are having a little discussion. There's a porg on R2-D2's head, I think. It's a beautiful thing. It's just across the board beautiful. Not, and in case people were worried, Nine Numb survived. Nine, nine Numb is still with us. He's going to be in Nine because it's Nine Numb, and it's going to be his story. Yes. It's going to be Star Wars Episode Nine Numb. <laughs> and who other than Chewie and Ray has flown the Falcon? Nine numb. Mm-hmm. He's back in the Falcon where he belongs. Mm-hmm. He probably said Chewie were home too, but we couldn't understand him because it's nine nub and no one knows what he says. Mahalam Mahalam Luke. <laughs> yeah. So then we cut to when you think the movie's gonna end, nope. Ryan Johnson gives you what you're not expecting, and we cut back to the stable kids. Mm-hmm. Where the legend of Luke Skywalker lives. Another homage to Jedi. I think we instead of 3PO telling the story, we get the kids playing with the toys. That part gets me every time a little bit. I mean, because I think it's t- it's totally true. It's it's not about the person. It's about the legends. As much bad stuff that happens and as much failure and mistakes happen throughout this movie, the legend of Luke Skywalker is what's living on and inspiring 
the next generation to do what's right. And that, yeah, it was all worth it just for that. And we realize that the boy who is staying in the space horse stable walks out, pulls the broom into his hand, looks up at the stars with his his broomstick kind of glimmering in the light like a lightsaber. And we realize that the force lives on, even beyond Ray. Yeah, ultimately Luke's failure led to inspiration for the rest of the galaxy. He may have failed Kylo, but he didn't fail, you know, little slave kids throughout the galaxy. Good stuff. Fantastic. I was joking. I think I was joking with you earlier. Like they could have probably made this movie eight and nine and just took a year off. Like there's enough packed in there. Um, And it makes sense how Ryan was like, yeah, I'd love to do this again. It'd be great to have more than one movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) to do. And they're like, all right, you have three more because you made a trilogy of movies crammed into one almost. (laughs) You're clearly you're overflowing with Star Wars ideas. Here's Mm -hmm. three. Oh, and last but not least, before we forget, there was a Hardware Wars reference in the movie, too. Oh, my God. How did we miss that? Yeah. (laughs) The steaming iron of the four times I saw it. I think people only got the joke once. It's kind of flying (laughs) under the radar that people either don't remember Hardware Wars or don't understand that that's an iron. I love it. Yeah. A little shout out to Ernie Facilius right there. Yeah. If only C-3PO saying bells, bells, bells. Maybe on the Blu-ray. <laughs> bells, 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 the thing they do is ring. Bells, 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 what happy thoughts they bring. Bells of every kind. Well, you heard us talk about it, and the next time we talk, we want to hear your reviews we've already gotten a bunch of them in and they're all fantastic but keep sending your voice messages of your reviews in send them to contact at blastpointspodcast.com record a little something on your phone send it there and in a week or so or sometime whenever we're going to have a whole episode dedicated to just your thoughts on the last jedi so we want to hear from you keep sending them in Yep. If you love the movie, we want to hear it. If you hated the movie, we still want to hear it. You know, it's this is definitely a movie people are going to be talking about for at least the next five months till Han comes out. <laughs> forgotten, probably not. But this is a, it's a doozy that's, yeah, it's going to be debated for years, I'm sure. Yeah, um, a hot button topic. So send those voice messages in. And these... Last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. And check out blastpointspodcast.com. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Leave reviews on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. And so we'll hear you again during that review episode. And and then we'll take a little break after that. But then we'll be back in January in full force. But go see Last Jedi some more 50 times. Yeah. 
And I think if you didn't, you know, not to be weird, but I think even if you're a Star Wars fan and you didn't like it, you got to at least give it another shot, I think, because there's just something about Star Wars movies that I you think you just there's so you think about it so much before it comes out that it takes a while to let the past die and <laughs> see the movie for what it is and not what you want it to be is always, I think, a difficult thing for people. Very true. Included. Me too. Yeah. Give it a chance. All right, folks. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs> Keep sending in their reviews. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. and the Force lightsaber, each sold separately. As you move your lightsaber, the sound of the Force moves with you. It can be a powerful friend. That is your first lesson. Learn it well. The Force is in my lightsaber. The Force is in all things, even you, my young Jedi. The Force lightsaber and new Yoda puppet, each sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection. May the Force be with all of you.